You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Run the Riot podcast. And this week, we've got a friend of mine from Louisiana. She is a professor at LSU. So you Midwesterners don't hold that against her because LSU is awesome. Um, she's a professor at LSU and she has a, she's a friend of mine. She's an ultra runner and she has been doing some amazingly interesting research on the connection between mind, body, and soul. And you know that, that runner's high that we get when you're in flow and you're running and everything's just awesome and you feel like you're floating? Well, she's researching that and just all the connections and man, we just have an amazingly interesting conversation and there are so many questions that I left out there that I didn't ask. And so she is writing a book called Ultra Running Mysticism. And it's going to be so interesting. So I'm looking forward to the book and we're going to have her on again. And so um, after listening to this, if you have any questions that you think I should have asked or that you would like me to ask once we get her on again after the book comes out, uh, let me know and I will file that away and we'll talk about those things. But um, so great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, real quick before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors. Check out the Outlaw Race Series if you go to www.outlaw100.com and you can check out all those amazing races around Oklahoma and Southern Kansas uh, put on by great ultra runners. Uh, you want to check that out. Also, check out Runner's World Tulsa. Uh, you can go to www.runnersworldtulsa.com and there are races there and there's information about the store. And if you're in the, the Tulsa area, man, that's where you need to go get your shoes. That's where you need to go get your packs. That's where you need to go get your electrolytes, your socks, all the things that you need. Go to Runner's World Tulsa. They even have an altitude tent that you can train in if you're going to do some mountain races. You know, you need something, just go there. Go to www.runnersworldtulsa.com, get their address, talk to Kathy and Barbara and the crew over there. Man, they will hook you up and get you what you need to do the running that you need to do. And we're also brought to you by Exoskin. Go to www.exoskin.us and use the code RUNTHERIOT for a discount. So Exoskin, I love their toe socks. They are amazing. You've heard me talk about them if you've listened to the podcast before. They keep your feet happy. They wick away moisture. And uh, also their their, uh, shorts. And they, they have pretty much everything you need to wear for running. The shorts, the shirts, and uh, just... They're awesome people. They they try different things. They have great technology. Uh, copper is woven in the material. It's comfortable, and you know what? They don't doesn't stink nearly as much as other like the socks. Man, they do great. The shorts I wear them for hundred milers, and they don't stink after. What is this magic? It's amazing. I love exoskins, particularly the toe socks. They have regular socks too. Calf sleeves. Love the calf sleeves. So check it out at exoskin. Dot us uh, guys last before we get started with the podcast um, man I would love for you if you listen to the podcast if you find value in the podcast please go to go to Apple or wherever you listen and rate the podcast I would love that uh, put what you like about it so other people can help other people find it and um, yeah man so I think that's about it uh, I appreciate all of you listeners I appreciate the patreon supporters and thank you so much for listening and uh, yeah here we go guys ultra running mysticism with Gwen Zwicky
All right. Today on the Run the Riot podcast from Louisiana, my friend Gwen Zwicky. Gwen, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing, David? I'm I'm good. It's uh it's been an interesting time. Um, but you know, how how things going with you guys? Uh, you know, recovering from you know hurricanes and. <laughs> well, we're in the middle of Nicholas right now. Oh. And- Fortunately, I'm talking to you during the only break of rain that we've had all day long. So it's <laughs> perfect timing. Well, I didn't realize uh, I, I, I knew it was going to I thought it was hitting Texas, but I hadn't really looked because. Uh, but so you're you're getting a bunch of rain and wind and stuff right now. Mostly just rain. Yeah. OK, so we're supposed to have rain for the next few days and sometimes it's light, but mostly a lot of downpours, which is really unfortunate for people who are already compromised because of Ida. But we're South Louisiana. You know, that's that happens. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I miss a lot of things about Louisiana, but hurricanes <laughs> is not one of them. I hear you. Oh, man. Well, did. uh. So, you know, you're in a Baton Rouge and I know my, my daughter and son-in-law and grandbaby are out there and they just they just got some out, out of power for a while. And, uh, you know, some and my brother's in Lafayette, a lot of just wind and stuff, but nothing too bad. Storm storm area. Did, did you fared OK? Yeah. OK. Um, we did have some issues. I had a couple of trees land on my house and a lot of trees to clean up in the backyard. But it was really surreal because my backyard looked like a jungle. I don't have any trees in my yard. They're all in the swamp behind my yard. Oh. So after Ida, they were all in my yard. Um, they knocked the fence down and they were everywhere. And it was it was actually kind of fun. I know that sounds weird, um, only because there was no major damage to my house. Okay. So. Uh, it was it was kind of fun. Great workout, cutting up trees and branches and hauling them. And, you know, I'm I'm always looking at the bright side. There you go. That's good. Well, that's um, that's cross training. That's also cross training. I don't miss. <laughs> but, you know, you, you just do what you got to do. You know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, well, glad, glad, glad you're doing OK. I know things are still rough around New Orleans and south of New Orleans area. A lot of people are still dealing with a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of permanent damage. So I'm, I'm glad. Glad you fared okay, and uh, I know um, uh, Edie's been. They've been uh, on weekends loading up and trying to head out and help people in different areas and stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. I, that's one of the things I love about South Louisiana too is when after after a hurricane, everybody just gets out and starts helping each other, bust out the chainsaws, and <laughs> that's where we're. I'm I'm joining Edie and another of our friends, Jerry Sullivan, this weekend. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting because Jerry Sullivan's 60th birthday on Saturday, we are going to run 60 kilometers and then we're going to get up really early and go do Ida recovery. (laughs) So it's going to be probably the best birthday doing what he loves and what is true to Jerry. And to me, I love to, I'm with Edie doing recovery as well. And, you know, it's just something that is so needed here. And I'm very fortunate to be a part of a community that sees the value in being a community with others. And and that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, for Katrina, when, when I was there, we were North of a Pontchartrain and it was, um, it, it, it was amazing. The people that came out and helped, you know, uh, because you heard a lot about New Orleans, but as you know, you know, nor- even north of there was a lot of wind damage. It was, it was pretty bad. The steeple at our church was stuck on, in the ground on the side of the church. And, but it was, it was beautiful. Just the people that came from everywhere and, and helped out. And, um, the pastor of our church, the first Sunday he preached, one of the things he was thankful for were uh, good old boys with chainsaws and, uh, and we tractors. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so well, well, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize Edie was gonna, uh, y'all were gonna be doing the 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 running uh, and all that before. So that's gonna make for an interesting uh, working the next day. <laughs> all right, uh, it, we'll make it happen though. It's good training. Runners, we're tough. We can yeah. do stuff like that. That's yeah. it. That's that's good. Very good ultra training. Well, well. Speaking of running, so so let's. You know, I was I was doing a little digging and kind of planning for this. And, and, and uh, you know, I was like, you know, we've, we've kind of hung out and been around the same circles. But, you know, I, there's a lot I don't know about you, Gwen. So it's a great opportunity to get to know you better and for everybody to listen in and, um, you know, hear about your background and how you got started running. So so tell me a little bit about, you know, your your background. Did you run growing up or or? I did not. I was one of those chubby kids who always got called last on the teams in school. Um, I did not have a lot of self-esteem. I know that's hard to believe now, but but when I was a kid, I just, I didn't. Um, I did become more active in graduate school the first time. And then I moved to Colorado and hello, you cannot live in the mountains and not be active, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I became extremely active once that happened and it just stayed with me. I was a cyclist and then I moved to Baton Rouge and cyclists were getting killed all the time. We have terrible drivers, as you know. So I quickly changed sports and started running. I was running before, but not as much. My thing was cycling. I lived in Vermont and upstate New York, and I would do a lot of 50 milers, you know, just a a few week or sometimes just a couple of weeks. And I loved it. Um, I've always loved the bike, but then I got into running and now I love running. So there you go. Wow. That's, that, that's interesting. So you just show originally you're from uh, Vermont area and stuff. I'm from Wisconsin. I've lived all over, but I'm from Oh, Wisconsin. okay. Gotcha. I've been to Wisconsin once. In fact, it was after Katrina uh, uh, to speak to a group that came help us. Uh, I went to Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I got to go see Brewer Stadium and, and all that. It was, it, was, it was pretty fun. It was pretty cool. So, okay. So how did, so you, you've been all over the place and uh, what, what brought you to Baton Rouge area? teaching I, I teach uh, higher education for the last 31 years okay and I was teaching in upstate New York and to tell you the truth we had seven feet of snow in the course of I think nine days and I just said you know the first place I get a job where there's no snow I'm going I've had enough yeah and actually I went to college and grad school the first time in in Louisiana and I came okay. down to see a friend and just cold call a few department heads and voila, I got hired at three universities. Um, now I'm just at LSU. And um, that was that was my full time job, always my full time job. And um, I let go of all the part time stuff and started doing other things. So uh, I've been here. I've been running ever since I got here and ultra running for the past seven years, I think. Yeah. Nice. Well, so tell me about the evolution of, of your running. Cause I always, I always like to hear when people start, you know, doing, doing regular races and how they morph into, uh, you know, the first ultra marathon and stuff. So, so, uh, you know, what did you, when you first got into running, what were you doing? You just kind of doing the standard runs and all that. I think that a lot of the stories are similar, aren't they? Because we start off doing smaller races and then our heart starts racing. We want to do something bigger. And then our heart starts racing and we want to do something bigger. And we just keep doing that because it's like going over to the dark side. They have cookies and we can't wait to get those cookies. So we go. 
and we jump into it. And the first friend of mine um, that I met as an ultra runner was actually, we, we run together as I was training for a marathon and he was telling me about ultra running. I'm like, you are crazy. Who would do that? Bunch of psychopaths. And now look at me. I'm one of those psychopaths. <laughs> But it, it just, it did gradually just turn into that. And um, I have actually, you won the 50K at Red Dirt Ultra during my first and only attempt at a hundred miler. Okay, which, I didn't, didn't realize that. Um, I remember seeing you there and I think the weather was still okay. It was raining all day. But boy, did it get bad fast. There was flash flooding everywhere and I was sliding down hills. I just couldn't get up for the life of me. And I love hyperbole, okay? So you know how the trails are just regular, you know, trails like a foot wide. Well, by the time I got to that hill with all, it was like a mile wide. Um, and so that's just for effect. That's my hyperbole. There you but go. The, the brambles and my legs are bloody and I'm trying to get up this hill. I kept sliding down and it just, it got the better of me with all of that torrential downpour. And I, I got hypothermia and it really sucked. And um, I, I couldn't even, I was so nauseous and I was shivering so badly. I, I had to quit. And um, unfortunately, I never really tried it again. I didn't have that. Oh, I've got to get the demon feeling that some people get. Yeah. Rather, like, you know what? I made it 50 miles and outside of the hypothermia, I felt fantastic. <laughs> yeah. My body felt good other than that illness. You know, nothing was really hurting seriously. Yeah. I knew I could do it. And I think that that's the big part. I knew I could do it. Mm -hmm. It was some outside circumstances that was the problem. I was well-trained. I felt fantastic up until that point. So um, I never went back and did it, but you won that 50K. And I remember seeing you on the trails and there you are like, you know, just that gazelle prancing. <laughs> Everybody else is like trudging up those hills and the sand and the rocks and the water crossing. You just went right through it. Like it was nothing. Well, um, <laughs> if you remember that. It, it was, that was a fun, it's a fun race. I, I'd like to go back uh, and, and I haven't done the hundred there and I helped, Edie scout the course out and we, we went out there and ran it for the first time. And so, uh, so I, it's got a special place in my heart and, and, uh, you know, so I I'd like to go back at some point and, and go for the hundred mile on it. But, but that, that course, one of the interesting things is I've never seen like on a, on a, a uphill in the woods, so much sand, you oh, know, I like, mean, like Sandy uphills. It was just weird. A lot of loose rocks. I did my first hundred K there the first year, the year okay. before you ran the 50 K there and or that race anyway. And um, I loved it. I, yeah. it was difficult. I felt I couldn't run a lot because I was doing so much traversing of sand. I cannot run in sand. I'm not yeah. a runner. Um, and, and the loose rocks. And I kept thinking, okay, this is it. It's going to get better. And it didn't. <laughs> yeah. but the beauty of it is, is the scenery was so beautiful. I became so engrossed in it. Yeah. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And I'm really hoping to go and do it this year, or I should say next year, because it's in February. Yeah. But just a phenomenal race. As you know, I mean, you were there volunteering after you ran your 50K Edie, and everyone does such a fantastic job. Um, you just can't beat Cajun hospitality, can you? No, man. The food is great at the finish line there, too. <laughs> There's always so much love. You can't oh. help but love it. Oh, yeah. So have you uh, just curious, have you ever run any portions of uh, when it was Cajun Coyote or um, or Lugaru that that it is now at uh, Chico? Did you ever you ever went out there and did any Chico is my favorite place to run outside of the Rockies and the high desert. In, yeah. in Texas. Um, I do love I did run Cajun Coyote 
the last year it was, I think it was the second last year. Okay. I was this last year that they were active. Um, I've run Lugaru almost every year. I okay. think I one because I was, I was, I got real sick. I did. Uh, I actually paced a friend out there on her first hundred K once. Um, nice. I will say that that is my favorite race. I love it. I love the people. It helps to know the people, right? But it doesn't matter whether you know them or not because they love everybody. Um, and that is that is literally my favorite place to run locally. It's it, uh, talking about things I miss. I spent so much time out there training. I, I don't know how many times I've looped that that lake, you know, run that course. And boy, I miss that too. That's got, it's got a, you know, I've camped there. I've hiked it with my son and my brother, my dad, and just, and it's, it's so Louisiana. I mean, if you want to go and, yeah, it see is. the swamps and you know, it's and snakes and all kinds of birds I've never seen before. And yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And, and run a bunch of miles. <laughs> it's exactly. exactly. <laughs> so what was your first, uh, what was your first ultra marathon? What was the first one you did? That would have been children of the cane. Okay. Walker's and race. That, yeah. You've done that one too. Haven't you? No, I, I actually haven't. Okay. No. Um, that was, that was my very first one that I trained for. It was the first year and the idea of doing something local. And honestly, I was so overwhelmed by the idea that I might not make it. So I mm. wanted it close by and Port <laughs> Allen is, as you know, right over the bridge from Baton Rouge. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. Okay, that's great. And I knew Walker and I thought, okay, this will, this will work. I'm going to do something locally. Um, it was a fantastic experience for me. I still had that kind of marathon runner's ego, right? <laughs> One thing that you learn to let go of when you start trail running and ultra running. And yeah. I love that. And there are all kinds of reasons for that that I'm writing about. There's a lot of research about that. Um, but I think that what happened is I just felt this overwhelming sense of, you know what, this is where it's at. Mm. It, not the roads for me. I, yeah. I can do a road race and I train mostly on roads, especially now the hurricanes have destroyed trails everywhere. I have no choice yeah. uh, other than to fly out to Colorado and New Mexico or wherever. I just happen to prefer those places. Yeah. I find that 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 particular race, I, I didn't do as well as I thought I would because I got sick. It was yeah. that that nausea that I wasn't, I hadn't planned on. I was actually uh, really did really well overall, despite that. And yeah. that was the beginning of the end of the sanity. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and, and for those of you who, who hadn't heard of children of the cane, it's, it's basically uh, it's out in cane fields, sugar cane fields. And, and, and I grew up on four acres in the middle of cane fields. And so uh, it's, it's, it, it, it kind of neat how, I don't know, you got Chico and you got red dirt and you got the, you know, children of the cane and they're, they're pretty, they're different. That's a problem. Yeah. Topography is different, but they're so cool and Louisiana and unique and they're trails. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man. So yeah. So you drank, drank the Kool-Aid and, and uh, yeah. So, um, so you, you know, you've been in the scene, you, 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 you love it. You're, you're part of the community. I mean, it's so cool that a bunch of friends of mine are going from one part of Louisiana to help another part of Louisiana after running a 60 K what, you know, um, this weekend. And, and so you, uh, you know, you've always been around and, and interested in it. Now tell me this, this, um, cause we, we had an interview where you interviewed me recently about yeah. this this book you're writing. And so tell me how, how, how that came about and how, what's going on with that? 
Okay, so so this is a great story. So speaking of bad Louisiana weather, right? Um, 2016, I lost my house. I lost everything I owned. We got flooded so badly. Mm. Um, and it was very life-changing for me. That is when I decided that first I was going to run a hundred miler, which is the one that we were just talking about. Okay. I was going to go back to graduate school and work on another degree in philosophy because that's something I've always wanted to do. And third, I was going to be more committed to meditating every single day. All right. So I decided that to feel true balance and true peace in my life, I had to combine mind, body, and spirit. And those were the things that have always been the most important to me, but I didn't always value all of them equally. Mm. You know how, when you drink the Kool-Aid, right? You, all you think about is training plans and running and running and running. And while that is so important, um, I found that the other parts of my life were kind of in the background. But one wonderful thing about ultra running is that you find that at most of us do anyway, and I would venture to say all of us do, even if we're not aware of it, is that it really is mind, body, and spirit. And that's what this book is about. So when I went back to graduate school, that was, um, and, and, I'll, and I go to graduate school part-time, actually, I just finished all my classes, um, and I, I still teach full-time. And I went to, back to graduate school part-time, and I remember having a discussion about the sublime. I was studying Kant, my first, my first class. And I said, that is the feeling I get when running an ultra. Mm. So I started talking to people, what in the world is that? What is happening when we have that feeling of overwhelmed joy and connectedness? And, you know, so first of all, I started studying the sublime, right? And I, I went through all of the definitions of sublime from the beginning of recordings. And I came up with this definition of, that was inclusive, our greatest sense of spiritual joy that's just overwhelming. Um, and then I started studying God and I started studying the idea of how do you define God? Unlike you, David, I was not raised with any religion and I never really had faith in religion, not because I don't, I find so much value in it, but it's just, if you don't have that faith, it's a very different journey, isn't it? Yeah. So I started studying God and I went through all the philosophers and religious texts. And I really, I mean, I did that a little bit in high school, but I really got into it. And then I started studying all kinds of things and, and doing papers on them in my graduate classes and consciousness. And what happened is as I was talking to people saying, what is that experience? And everybody would say, you know, I can tell when somebody's having it, but I don't know how to describe it. People huh. would say, I know what it is. I just don't know how to explain what it is. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, I figured if I'm studying, trying to define God, I may as well go into this. Um, <laughs> there you go. It's a task for me. So what I, what I did then is I started studying a connection between the feeling of the sublime and ultra running. Hmm. What ended up happening is as I started doing research, I got more enthralled with the science of it. Um, so when you put science and philosophy together, and I was studying an analytic philosophy and still am, and that really does rely on some science in the sense that we know what is true as of now, right? Information yeah. is changing. And we take that, we pontificate and we analyze it tediously <laughs> to try to come up with ideas about it. And so that's what this book is. It's a mind, body, spirit connection. There's philosophy and there's a lot of science. 
including things that I struggle to understand. Um, I am very fascinated with the brain. I am very fascinated with the whole idea of neurotransmitters, of uh, neurophysiology perception, which is a very new field. Hmm. Um, And we, we all experience that in ultra running. So I've looked at what's happening to our bodies, right? With the different carbs and proteins that affects our brain and our perception, mental toughness, Matt Fitzgerald, you've probably read the book. Um, How do you want it? I mean, he is phenomenal. Yeah. I, I reference his book quite a bit and talking about the things that really make ultra runners excellent athletes. And most of it's our attitude, you know, most yeah. of it comes down to that. And here's the thing, when we're running and we get rid of all of that noise in our heads, we're actually creating this experience where we're actually meditating, we're actively meditating, we're literally changing our brains. We are literally going from doing something to becoming something. Oh, man. Um, our sport. Isn't that fantastic? That's so- deep. <laughs> Is it is, and I love deep, David. This is my <laughs> my jam. Yeah. I love it. So I, I look at how all of these experiences, both mentally and physically, engage all kinds of things in our bodies, our neurotransmitters, our neurochemistry, in ways that there's no way I can understand. I have a colleague at LSU who is a comparative biomedical sciences researcher who is studying DMT right now. And he is also a runner. And so off the record, he's told me many, many things after I've described the experience to him that he believes that we're having experiences that are actually, we're overproducing DMT in our bodies. For those of you who, I can't pronounce it. Please don't ask me. (laughs) Yeah, it's long. (laughs) But it's, you may have heard of ayahuasca, which is a plant that has DMT. Mm -hmm. Animals naturally produce DMT. We naturally produce DMT. But when we're in states of of, of prolonged activity, we may be producing it even more, Mm. right? Um, So every drug that we can take externally for people who use drugs recreationally, we produce it naturally. It just comes out at different times. So basically when our body is under stress, our brain says, I got this, (laughs) starts producing stuff. Like, like endorphins, endorphins are morphine. The chemical composition of morphine and endorphins is the same. That's crazy. Isn't it awesome? (laughs) That's yeah. I, so, and the same thing is true with THC. When we run low on sodium or carbs, we get that kind of sense of depletion and Mm -hmm. kind of that, that sense of, um, of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, we're producing, and actually sometimes that can lead to a type of euphoria. We are producing THC. Wow. We are also, even our thoughts, the way we think about it, we are producing all kinds of, of neurotransmitters and the way that they bind and the way that they affect different parts of our brain. I can't begin to understand all of this. This, this is just way too much for me. And when I talked with my colleague about this, he said, join the club. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What I am doing is please understand, I am not an expert in this, but what I am doing is I I do have access to some awesome research. So I'm taking the research. I am making it as, as available as possible after I decipher it, because I don't know big words, right? (laughs) And I put it together in such a way in this book so that it is understandable. If you're reading things as, as I'm sure that you've read through some of it that I sent you, Mm -hmm. There are parts that are so technical. You may just skip and say, I am not about that. Give me the bottom line. I do. 
all the, <laughs> give me the bottom line. I want to read the abstract, right? Yeah, that, yeah exactly. I don't want all the details. I'm not giving a lot of details, but one thing I think that is really important is to understand that the mind, body, spirit connection is so strong. And every single one of those things affects the other. And that is the beauty of our sport more so than any other sport or any other activity that I know of. Well, that's, and that's, that's why I'm so interested in what you're doing here. And I think it's the, you know, cause I've, I've kind of, I've uh, delved into that on like on the biblical side, you know, it talks about, you know, and, and uh, just in everyday life. And so this is really, you know, this is during a, uh, something that we do and something that we participate in. So it's kind of, it's, it's fleshing it out in, in a different way, but I, I I'm glad you brought that up because um, how they all affect each other, because I always encourage my runners, you know, about, make yourself smile, be positive, say good, you know, thank other people, you know, all the gratitude things. Cause that helps you physically, you know, or when you see the finish line and, and you were just dead a mile ago, physically dead and you can sprint to the finish line. Well, what changed physically there? Like nothing. You just saw the finish line and your, you know, your brain said, let's go. And your body said, all right, let's do it. You know? So it's, I love this. And so, cause I always said, if I could bottle that feeling up, or figure out how to manufacture it, you know, I'd run like that all the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the beauty of it too. And, and, you know, from, from Matt's book that our, our idea of exhaustion is, has nothing to do with our physical capabilities. It's true. We are physically capable of so much more than we are mentally most of the time. So it makes ultra runners, especially awesome. If I may be a little biased here, <laughs> We do. There are two main things that studies have found that what we have, and actually I would add a a third. I read research about two, but I'm going to add a third to that because three of these things really, really make us um, better runners. The first, as, as Matt Fitzgerald would say, mental toughness, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to have that, that toughness. You've got to have the idea of self-efficacy. I've got this, whatever goes wrong, I can figure it out, Mm. right? That alone helps us um, manufacture endogenous um, opiate opioids. Really? Just that thought we're already producing these opioids that are helping us experience less pain. (laughs) So just, just the attitude that I can figure this out, I can do this, that, you know, I can get through whatever comes that. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So naturally when our body is experiencing pain and discomfort for prolonged periods of time, we will produce those endogenous opioids anyway, but now you add self uh, self efficacy to it. We've got this right. Yeah. When we are tapping into those two things, we're we're doing some great things, not only for our brains, but for our bodies Hmm. now add emotional regulation. There's a lot of research about emotional regulation to prove that that in and of itself is a huge bonus for those of us that do that, that are our endurance athletes. So think about this. I mean, I love the way that I interviewed David Joseph. I don't know if you've ever met him. I haven't. One thing that he, he told me, he said, have you ever experienced an ultra where you didn't have problems? And I laughed. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> always have problems. And if you think about that, sometimes you have a lot of problems at one time. Yeah. 
So, I mean, literally when I was struggling to go up that hill at red dirt, when though there's flash flooding and there was water almost up to my waist at one point, I was laughing and say, wow, I hope I don't die. I mean, seriously, <laughs> if I pass out or something, somebody will find me. I didn't cry. I didn't get upset and say, oh, my bleeding. I'm like, oh, that'll make a cool scar. Seriously. You know, you have to be able to do that. You yeah. have have a certain emotional way of, of, of managing your emotions so that you can be more productive. So what I what, what, what that brings to mind for me is, uh, and it's kind of funny because, you know, you talk about things going on and, and taking control of your attitude. I remember in the Tahoe 200, I'm a hundred something miles in, I'm, my body's hurt and I still got a hundred something to go. And I looked at my wife and I was like, and I'm, I'm laughing. I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and, and she said, yep. And I was like, okay, see you later. And I just went off laughing into the dark woods, you know? And, but it was like, I was just acknowledging it and, and like, but I'm still good. And I'm going to keep, keep moving, you know, like keeping my emotions in check, even though I was hurting. Um, I never thought of it that way. It was just kind of a ridiculous, funny moment, but you know, <laughs> I think it, it is. I, I, I think we all go through that no matter what the distance is. Yeah. I don't think that any runner has run any distance and not said this is stupid. Right. Especially if you're trying, if you're pushing, if you're trying to do right. your best at it. Yeah. Right. right. So I think that that's a natural response and I, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything <laughs> right with that because there's, there's a whole philosophical aspect of overcoming suffering. Yeah coming out even better because of it. Yeah. Right? And that's part of um, this. The book is called that I'm writing is called ultra running mysticism because I am tying it to philosophy. And this goes through all religious and philosophical traditions yeah. uh, all the way back from the beginning of, of recordings. And, and there's, there's a sense of having to overcome something that is very, very challenging mentally, physically, both for, for all of us. Right. Yeah. Um, runners and then coming out and knowing that we are better because of it. We overcame this challenge and a part of us changes mm, because of that. And there's a lot to be said for what that does to us mentally and physically as well in a positive ways. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, we talk about a lot about our why and we have different whys why, you know, why are we doing it? But I think ultimately I, you can't do run ultra marathons, do this hard thing and not, be better because of it or, or, or learn about more about yourself. I, I learned, I learned things about me that are good, but I also learned things about me that are like emotions that come up that I was like, Oh, we got to work on that, you know? And so, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You learn through the physical, you become, like you said, you become more of who you going to be through doing something physical. It's crazy. <laughs> It, it really is. Um, there's a chapter in my book about how humans are literally born to run. It's only been over the past 500 generations that we have had agriculture. And I say only 500 generations yeah. um, because that's what the researchers said. I, w I personally would not see it the same way. Gotcha. But they're talking about how our, our physical makeup is actually more uh, conditioned and more created in such a way that we can do long distance activities. Mm. And so to be truly in touch with our hunter gatherer selves, we have to be constantly on the go and have a lot of actual movement. Um, it's no, so somehow accidentally we became the only mammals to have a gluteus maximus. <laughs> True. I, th I thank the Lord for that. <laughs> right? 
Right, right. <laughs> we are also the only mammals that have an Achilles tendon. Hmm. Huh. Isn't that interesting? So I actually have a breakdown in the book um, that I actually got from research about how no matter if even if you walk three miles a day, you don't even come close to scratching the surface of what our ancestors did. And to truly that's only part of it. The other part of it is mental and emotional. I have a whole I have a whole chapter on in the environment and how research has shown, especially if you look into forest bathing, the, the, the Japanese have been studying this for generations. We're getting there. But just being in the woods, mm. we trees are communicating with each other. We are in the middle of those those hormones in the middle of those aerosols and they're affecting us. And there is a, a consciousness that is taking place. And I'm not making all this woo stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> So we are being, um, they're finding that it helps to not only reduce stress, anxiety, depression, literally clinical depression, but it's also boosting our immune system. It's also helping with, with fighting cancer cells. Um, there are so many wonderful things about have, just having this, being in the middle of all of this in the forest, in the woods. So there are so many things that are affecting us, whether you're aware of it or not, as we're, we're going through this process. And it's, it's really phenomenal to me. Um, and I, when I can't get on the trails, like I haven't been for about a month now. Oh, do I miss it? Yeah. I miss it so much, man. So, uh, it just, this is just, this is just kind of a, um, a question, you know, I, I if we're, we're born to run, you know, to quote the chapter and, and the book born to run, cause it talks a lot about that. And, because we're, we're made to do that. I mean, we know because we do it and we miss it when we don't do it, but you, you, you know, you look at how sedentary so many people are and how, how so many people, people just don't run, you know, like some people just don't run. And, and, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons, you know, so many people feel unfulfilled and have struggles in life is because they're not, you know, we're made to move, we're made to, you know, and they're just not fulfilling that part of themselves and discovering that part of who they are. That's such a big part of all of this, David, you hit it right on the head. Um, awesome. Too much concrete, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the greatest things I've been reading some science and I'm not an expert on this, but walking around barefoot in the grass, actually there is a physiological change that takes place in you when you do that. Isn't Earthing. <laughs> yeah. Being out in nature. And, and the other part of it is that when we were hunter gatherers and we being our ancestors, we had such an intimate connection with our environment. Mm -hmm. We had to know weather patterns. We had to listen. We had to understand. We were one with plants and animals and weather because that's how we survived. Yeah. And now we don't have to anymore. Somebody takes care of all that stuff for us. So let me set my computer and do my job. Right. Yeah. And so we become so, I call it noise. We become so preoccupied with noise and everyone I've interviewed. And I love this about, about ultra runners, especially is that we go through those lists and we get rid of all the to do stuff in our minds. We work out problems. We get rid of stress. And then after a certain amount of time, all of that's gone mm -hmm. real. We are vulnerable. We are raw and we are real. We are who we were born to be, not how we were conditioned to become through our social identity. And so it's just a phenomenal sense of getting to our true inner selves, experiencing our real spirit mm. in an environment that encourages and nurtures that. And not just with nature and not just within ourselves, but other people who are having the same experience. And th that to me is just a the most phenomenal thing that you can experience in life. 
Wow. It's so, it's, yeah, so much there. I didn't even think about like, I, you know, my mind goes to in t- the end of uh, Tahoe when I, I raw, I was just raw emotionally. Like I was, everything was stripped away and I was just me. And, but I got to experience that with other people. And that's so, you know, you know, when you, when you go, when you experience an ultra and you share miles with somebody and you're going through highs and lows together at different times. And it, there's, there's, there's a bond there, you know, and you think back our hunter gatherer people, they were always doing that running and, and hunting and experiencing that all the time. So, um, yeah, we, we, I think we've tapped into to something as ultra runners that, that, that a lot of people are missing. And you know, what's interesting, David, is the whole first part of my book is the historical precedence for this. All ancestors all over the world had this figured out long before. They may not have had the same words and they may not have had the research, but all the way back thousands of years, the ancient Greeks had it figured out. Hmm. The um, Tendai monks of Mount Hiai have been doing this in an extreme form for since for what, 1200 years, the Tibetan monks, um, they'll build it 200 miles in a trance. Um, there are so many amazing cultures and native Americans are well known, but I can't say it. And I have so many friends from Mexico who have helped me to say it. You know, the runners I'm talking about from born to run. Yes. The, the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't say it right either. <laughs> so that's so terrible. Where, whatever. Yeah. Myself, um, trying to do it. And I've practiced and I, I'm, I'm just done even trying. Tara, what, what, whatever. Yeah, we know. <laughs> so there are so many cultures and, and native Americans. I'm trying to, I have a connection with the Taos Pueblo and they actually do running on their feast days. And it's a big part of ceremony for so many native Americans, native Mexicans, um, all native all over the world. And it's a very private uh, thing because of the experience. And it's not something that outsiders are generally allowed to witness or participate in. And I am, um, so it's, it's really um, a beautiful part of becoming enlightened. And that's where all this comes from is that our, they all, most of our, the, the cultures that have uh, engaged in this, it was all an attempt to gain enlightenment. Mm. And if you go back and look at what their goal was, that's exactly what they were doing. And they didn't have research to prove it. They just knew it was there. And now we have research to prove it because especially with the meditative aspects, which you will know from intense prayer and I will know from intense meditation. And they have studied this with monks and they have studied this with, with um, Christian, uh, with Christian nuns. And they find that when we meditate, that we automatically are starting to access other parts of our brain. And when we're accessing other parts of our brain, we spend 50% of our time in the default mode network, which means that this limited perception that we have gained by the age of, I believe it's nine, we don't go outside of that. So when society has taught us by age nine, that's where we stay, Hmm. right? (laughs) happens when you're in a meditative state is you're using other parts of your brain. You have different types of neurotransmitters going on. So you are actually expanding your perception in ways that other people who don't do this will never know. And some people use, will use drugs, will use um, LSD or psilocybin Mm -hmm. or whatever to attain basically the same thing. But again, we produce all of this stuff in our bodies through running in, in a different way. 
right? Um, yeah, not yeah. because that's that's a little that's more kept that's a uh, synthetic. Yeah. But we are producing a lot of this the same drugs in our bodies with running. So not only do we have all these things happening physiologically, emotionally, um, spiritually because of the running. But we also have it because of the meditative process that we get into once we get rid of all that noise, all that junk. And that is phenomenal because that heightened focus and all those extra cannabinoids and those extra um, endogenous uh, um, opioids, there's so many things going on that are having us, helping us to have a very mystical experience. And it's not because we are on drugs. And it's not because we are exhausted. It's because we are accessing perception in a different way by using different parts of our brain. And we all come to this place where there is a felt presence. Hmm. And that felt presence is much larger than ourselves. And that is the oneness, the connection that all religious traditions uh, employ and talk about the relationships with their creator. And we are finding that in ultra running, whether you're religious or not, we're finding that exact same thing based on the experiences that we're having because of our open perception. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. That's that's pretty amazing. It, it reminds me of uh, uh, Dean Carnassus. His quote said, "If you want to, uh, I'm going to quote it wrong, but the the final one is like, if you want to touch God, run an ultra." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and you know what? He may not have known the research, but it's absolutely true. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, I I, I was thinking, and um, and I think part of it is, you know, like people who have been uh, addicts, drug addicts and stuff, you know, they're, and, and let's face it, people do that because they're, they're seeking something or they're escaping something or they, and they find something in that, that a feeling. And so many people who were addicts and we joke and say now they're addicted to running, but that feeling though, they still get that, that, that feeling, but it's, it's a, it's more positive, you know, it's, it's a, it's a positive way to get it. And so it's, you know, in our sport, there's a, there are a lot of people who've had a, you know, drug background, you know, background in drugs and, and who are, you know, they just run now <laughs> a lot. So they're producing it naturally. So we're yeah. all just a bunch of drug addicts. You know, you're right. And, and the thing is, even though we're producing these drugs, taking them externally or synthetically, we're actually overdosing. Right. And that's not healthy for us, right? But when we're producing it within our bodies because of running, um, it absolutely is um, understandable. Basically, if we were not doing this, this friend of mine, I was, or I should call my colleague because we're not really, I mean, we communicate, but anyway, he's, yeah. he's fantastic. But one of the things he, he said, and I did quote him in my book, um, is talking about the fact that if I, we were not producing these, these neurotransmitters and these, neurochem- these neurochemicals, we wouldn't run. It would be so painful and uncomfortable and miserable. We actually need those. So when our body's screaming, we need this, we're taking care of business. That's a, it, our brain's responding. Yeah. You know, and I tell a lot of people, they, they say, Oh, I've tried running. I can't stand it. And, and I encourage them. I was like, just keep going, like, keep it up, you know, build up, build up and you'll get to that, you know, that point, you know, and it, initially you, you, it's not, it's not always fun. It, it hurts and it's, it's funky and it's, it, you know, it's sweat and it's, you know, but when you get past that and when, when your body kicks in, 
you know, it, it becomes something else. It does. Getting in that zone. Yes. Is, is so phenomenal. That does things for your brain. That is that meditative aspect where you you're, you're doing things and you're accessing other parts of your brain. And you know, the beautiful thing is once you're able to achieve that, I mean, this is the, this is the field and I am so oversimplifying, uh, make no mistake about it, but the, the neurophysiology of perception um, actually helps us access the files of an event when we are faced with another similar event. So if we did really well in, in an ultra, not only are we more encouraged to go and do it, but we're remembering that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so we go back and, and get that feeling. So yeah, we are a bunch of, of drug addicts in some regards, right? But there's there's that perception and and some things that can bring you back. You know this as well as I do. We talked to you talked with Jeremy um, Howard and I was about to bring him up. Yep. Yeah. And, and Jeremy told me, as I'm sure he told you, you look at a leaf and it brings him back. <laughs> I was, it was funny because I was out, um, actually it was more hiking than trail running in the high desert um, outside of Abiquiu near Taos, between Taos and Santa Fe. And it's one of my favorite places. I just love, love that area. And it was on sacred Apache land. Mm. And I happened to be out by myself and I tried to get out there early, but I made it later. It was traveling. It was just crazy. And I didn't have enough water to go as far as I wanted to go. I had my double barrel, but you know, it wasn't a lot. Well, what happened is mother nature said, Hey, I got this Gwen and I got out there and it started pouring, thundering, lightning pouring so badly that I couldn't find my way I got off the trail somehow and got completely lost. Oh, wow. And because of the rain and the sliding in the mud, I couldn't see footprints. I had no idea where I was. Um, the, I was sure I didn't, I ran out of food and water really fast, but the beauty of it is the rain cooled me down enough. So I didn't get so dehydrated. And the, I just, I sat there and I said, you know what? I've got this. I don't know how I'm going to get back, but I'm going to make it back and I'm going to be fine. And I picked up a rock that was heart shaped. I have to see it. And I said, thank you. Because I just had, I knew I wasn't out there alone. Yeah. This rock that fit in my hand about like this. And I carried it with me for the remaining miles until I saw a, a ridge that I recognized and I made it back. I had a severe sunburn. I was severely dehydrated, <laughs> starving to death. And I had never been so happy in my life because I made it. That's awesome. And, you know, that is, thank you. I, I still have that rock. I keep it in my meditating room. And I am so thankful for that rock, for that reminder. To me, it was the most amazing finisher's medal ever. Yeah. Um, because that, that is a part of what we do. We struggle. And we overcome obstacles, we figure it out, and we have faith that we're going to get there and we're going to figure it out somehow and it's going to happen. And one of the things I'm learning through intention and a lot of other things I'm studying in terms of consciousness is that intention is pretty much everything. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Be, well, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, uh, I've had conversations with people recently about being intentional with your life, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, yeah, so. That's pretty good. I get it. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely nothing that you can't have with focused attention. We, a part of my book, we can change our bodies through our minds. Hmm. Research to that too. We can literally change our bodies with our minds with focused determination. Hmm. Boy, that that's, 
that's that's good stuff. Well, and so and and that's part of ultra running. Our 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 intention is to get to the finish. Our intention is, you know, we're, we're and when we're if we stay focused on that, you know, we can do it. Now I need to learn how to how to overcome stomach issues with <laughs> more DNFs from that than anything, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the hard part, and you can never plan for that because what works the last time. I, I don't have to tell you that. Yeah. I know uh, for me, I cannot do gels or anything like that. I'll get sick right away, so I don't even try it. But you never know. One day that might work perfectly for me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow, so much, so much here, and so I'm looking at the the initial um, when when you kind of you put out an all call for to interview different people. And I, I just, I'd imagine you had some, you know, really in what I read uh, in, in your book so far, you've had some, some great conversations with people. Um, and I, I'd like to just kind of talk a little bit about um, some of those, the different parts of, uh, I guess, how you classify the experiences that, um, that you have, you know, that's that one will have in mysticism. And, and we, I don't know, there are nine of them here, uh, but I'm just curious we don't need to go through all nine, but I'm just curious about maybe like, um, I don't know which ones, what types of um, experiences stood out when you interviewed ultra runners. I love the fact that every single ultra runner that I have interviewed so far all had all nine of the experiences to one degree or another. Really? That's awesome. Yes. Now to this came from William Stace, who was um, and and uh, I'm sorry, William James, I'm forgetting their names, philosophers and religious leaders. They went uh, all the way back through religious texts and all the way back through philosophical texts. And they came up with these criteria of what how to define mysticism. And one of the most beautiful things I'm trying to find those nine at the moment. One of the beautiful things about that is not only are people having the same experiences, but they may not really think about it at first and they go, oh, yeah, that's it. So they came up with this idea of religious experiences and, and philosophical experiences, this, this kind of panoramic awareness. And what is all of this? What's happening there? Um, so the idea of mysticism is that there are things hidden from normal everyday life that we try to discover. Yeah. Right? The idea of religion in most cases is, is a oneness. With and that feeling of something external, right? So the, the, there are the all nine of them. I would think that of all of them, we all do define ourselves through our sport in some way. We do have deeply felt peace and joy when we are having that experience. Um, we do have a sense of sacredness. We do have a sense of things feeling more real in that moment than anything else we experience in life. We have uh, this thing, the sense of living presence in everything, which is consciousness in everything, which is really interesting, but that's for another book. But nonetheless, um, it's every, every single person too has a very difficult time explaining this experience to others. Yeah. And there are, there are all nine of them. And I'm, I'm have, going to have a chapter for each of the nine and okay. use a lot of experiential things as well as philosophical and religious. But I think that the, 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 the conclusion of all of this is that we definitely are having what would be defined religiously and philosophically as a mystical experience. And I'm doing my best to describe that through science science and experiences. Yeah. No, it, it, when you, when you sent that, it kind of gave me a, a, I don't know, cause we, we have these experiences and it kind of gave me a framework on, you know, how to, 
you know, how to frame it and how to, how to define it a little bit, because like you said, it's hard to explain. And even when we were talking about it, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to describe. It's very hard to describe because it's so personal and it's so uh, beyond the normal, beyond what we experience in our daily life. So it's, it's hard to put into words. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> well, that was my whole goal. And this is where it got me so far <laughs> nice. yet, but this is where it got me so far. Um, I wanted to put words. I wanted to, mm. to be able to define it in some way. And, um, this, this kind of joyful presence and connectedness and sacredness and more real than we've ever actually uh, been able to experience before is, is a phenomenal feeling. You know, well, mm. I know, well, anybody listening to this probably knows well. Um, and I'm just kind of, I'm just trying to tell it, explain it the best that I can by no means am I an expert, but I think it's fascinating. Yes. Some of the research that lends itself to what we're talking about. Well, I, I can't wait to, I, to, to, to just feed on the finished product and, and, you know, you get to do all the fun part and all the hard, all the hard work and, you know, and, and bring it all together, but it, you're having a blast with it. It looks oh. like I'm very curious by nature. Yeah. So if, if there's something that I don't understand, I'm going to keep working until I do understand it, at least somewhat. Um, as you know, research keeps changing every day. Yeah. So by the time this book is actually done, there may be something coming out the next day that's, that I could have put in the book. Um, but at some point, I'm going to have to stop because I have other projects on the back burner that I, I, I'm going to want to get to at some point. Um, but it has been a wonderful journey. And I'm so grateful that LSU um, comped my classes. So I was nice. able to get that degree, which I'm not quite finished yet. Um, this was my thesis, and I turned it into something much more than that. Um, and I will We'll go back and make it all more philosophy uh, for my degree. But I, I'm just very grateful that I had the opportunity to do this and that I have so many amazing friends that have contributed to this, yourself included. Thank you. Oh, because I, I think that it. other people are going to understand their experiences better through our experiences. Yeah. And, and I, I, I even think it's, it's going to be something that another draw for ultra running, you know, for people to, or just to start running, it doesn't even need to be ultra running, but just people to, you know, to, to get out and do it. So, so where, where are you in the, in the book, in the, you know, and when can we expect to see, see it on the shelves? That is going to depend on hurricane season. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> The last two falls, as you know, have been very, very active hurricane yes. here in South Louisiana. Um, and every time something happens, I put everything on the back burner except for my job. And I am out doing rec uh, recovery, as, as you were mentioning with Edie. Um, and that's very dependent. Um, also, my work, you know, my committees that is work and things like that that I'm on. And I'm also writing a, uh, some materials for my department. Um, so not that this isn't a priority. Yeah. It certainly is. But it's on a long table full of priorities. Yeah. Uh, my best guess would be a year from now, it will be completely done on Amazon, on Kindle. I want to just throw it out there. This is not about making money. This is not about any kind of uh, fame or fortune because that's just not likely to happen. But what it is about is just to, for my community, for your community, for our community, um, just to go, yeah, okay, that makes sense now. Um, and that's really why I'm doing this. I'm an educator. So by yeah. nature, I just want to to help people understand things. Right. And that's really what this project was about for me. That's, that's awesome. Well, I, I can't, I can't wait. And, and, and I, I'm sure uh, myself and, 
people listening, if, if there's anything else I can do or other people, you know, I mean, I, I know you've got a, most of the legwork all done or whatever, but um, anyway, if you ever, if, you, if we can put a shout out, if, if, if you need some information, need a survey or whatever, we got a lot more of people. interviews, more interviews. I've had so many and I'm so appreciative of that, but I want to hear more experiences. Okay. And- and specific experiences, because the more that I talk to people, the greater sense I have. I have a pretty good sense right now, but I want it to be like completely solid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, if anybody wants to share their experiences with me, I would absolutely love to interview them. Okay. How do, how do they get in touch with you? Is it uh, you want them to email or? Uh, mail is probably best. Uh, would you, uh, it's the, you have that email. Yep. It's Gwendolyn Lee at Yahoo, G W E N D O L Y N. That's my first name, L E I G H all one word. That's my middle name at Yahoo. Um, if they're interested in, in being an inter in interviewing, um, I would love to interview them more. I can never have too many interviews. I have so many really, really great ones, um, to make it clear. I'm interviewing people about the actual mysticism experiences. Yes. And that is something that I am filling my book with. So it's got a lot of science, but I think the experiences just make it more enjoyable yeah yeah and to yeah and because you we can relate to each other even through that reading other people was like i know that i know that feeling exactly because we are that community and we're a small community yes. but we're a tight community even people i don't know so i was i want to tell you a story i was out in colorado and i was running at mount albert well actually hiking up because yeah, yeah. i saw uh, as i was going up i had my double barrel on and I, you know i'm going on up there and i see ultra run and i know they're ultra runners right they're happy they're smiling they can't wait to greet you and I remember seeing a guy who was passing me. We we're just kind of chatting. Wow, this is a great run. I, he said, I'm PRing. I said, you're, you're looking awesome. Congratulations. And I recognized that guy and I couldn't figure out where I knew him from. And I had seen him in one of the um, Leadville 100 uh, documentaries that I watched. That's and, awesome. You, know, you always know an ultra runner. They're always happy. They're always smiling. And they, they, they kind of recognize you and they just kind of there you are because it's a community. Even if you don't know somebody, you're still a part of the community because we all love what we do so much that we are very welcoming, especially here in the South. We just love yes. our all runners, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. And so um, I, I'll make sure and put your email in the show notes so people could get in, in contact with you on that. And, uh, and when I guess when the book is done and complete, I, I'll definitely put it all out there, and uh, maybe we can um, we can have another interview and talk about the, the other things that you know the the rest of the process and and uh, you know tell people about how the book came out. I, I'd I'd love to do that again. Uh, you know when it, when you're done. Well, thank you, David. I would love to do that, and my goal was to have it done a lot sooner, but hurricane yeah. season. Yeah. December 1st and we'll see what happens then. Hey, hey, we're ultra runners. We deal with, with, with what comes and we just yes, keep we on do. moving forward. <laughs> yes, we do. And I really appreciate you talking with me today. I love talking about this and I love your enthusiasm, you know, because this is, this is just something that really binds us and it's so important and it's so special. And I'm, I'm just so happy to share it with people. Well, well, Gwen, and I appreciate it's obvious that you are excited about it, too. And that's contagious. And I think uh, I don't know, I think I think a lot of people are going to read it. Uh, so, I hope so. I yeah. Think so. Oh, well, you take care. And hey, you, you guys be safe this weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, appreciate all y'all are doing to help our people out down there. Thank you so much, David. It's been good talking to you, as always.